this is Mike Lindstedt, president and co-founder of the Nehemiah Project. You are listening to the Nehemiah Project podcast, where we replace hopelessness with hope. Well, we're back on our series entitled Biblical Answers to Modern Issues. We're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 today, the way of love. And as usual, I'm here mm. with Pastor Chad. Chad, how you doing, buddy? Doing good. Doing good. I, I love this this particular passage of scripture. So I'm excited oh, yeah. to jump in. I mean, I think Steve Lawson, if I remember correctly, I was just listening mm. to him not too long ago. He said he did, I don't know how many sermons mm. on this 13 verse chapter. Yeah. It was more than 13 sermons on it. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a boundless mm-hmm. chapter. It's a deep well, yeah. right? It is reflecting one of the threefold essence of God, love. God is love. And mm. so many people say that, you know, in our culture, well, isn't God love, right? Without understanding what, that love actually is yeah and uh man it's my prayer chad that we could just even begin to scratch the surface here in this 30 minute episode that we've got Mm -hmm. on the way of love Uh, we're going to do more than one episode lord willing on this chapter but without further ado let's just get into it all right so chapter 13 sits basically in the middle of a larger section here in the book of first corinthians that really starts um in chapter 12 and goes all the way through the end of chapter 14. And we're talking about spiritual gifts, Mm -hmm. right? So so love is sitting within that context. And just a quick review, Paul started off chapter 12 by reviewing some of the spiritual gifts that the pride-filled Corinthian church really wanted, right? Right. Remember, this is a letter of correction. We know this by now. Um, Paul is correcting error in the Corinthian church. He is making what is wrong right Mm -hmm. by telling them about this is who God is, therefore you should act this way. And one of the really important uh, portions of chapter 12 is verse 7 verse 11. It says this in verse 7, to each person is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So right there we see Mm -hmm. that the manifestation of the Spirit is first and foremost given, and it's given for a particular reason. That is the building up of the body of Mm -hmm. Christ. That is the common good. And verse 11 says that all these gifts are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And yeah. we talked about the importance of that three-word phrase right there, as yeah. he wills. You cannot learn how to do these spiritual gifts apart from God giving you the spiritual gift. Mm-hmm. Right. So what that means is that these are mutually exclusive realms of gifts. Yeah. Just because you are talented let's say, um, as a speaker, right, doesn't mean that God has given you the gift, the supernatural gift of an utterance of wisdom Mm -hmm. or of prophecy, Mm -hmm. right, where you are declaring the mind of God, right? Yeah. Um, Just because, again, I'll say it again, just because you're a good speaker doesn't mean you'll make a good preacher, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. So I'll put it that way. Um, And then then we went went into the second half of chapter 12, verses 12 through 31, where Paul uh, uses the illustration of a physical body, to represent the spiritual body of Christ. And we will remember that the whole purpose of the physical body is to execute the will of the person that inhabits it. So all of the individual members have to come together um, to execute the will of Mm -hmm. the person who inhabits the body. And that's just just an amazing illustration that Paul uses. It really helps to clarify. And I would encourage all of you listeners to just meditate on chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians, verses 12 through 31, as much as you can. Mm. Even though I was listening to it, Chad, this morning, so I could remember where we left off. And um, 
just even more stuff was flooding into my mind as I was thinking about, as I was listening to some of the things you said, I'm like, oh my goodness, that's amazing, you know? Yeah. So I would encourage you, listener, meditate on uh, the spiritual body of Christ that is the church. And then we uh, came to the end of chapter 12, and I'll just make mention of this again because it's important, um, that Paul ends chapter 12 with just like a rapid-fire uh, rhetorical questioning. Like He yeah. just says, uh, <clears throat> are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? The answer to all of those is no. no. Right. Because why? Because of verse 11. The Spirit is mm -hmm. the one who gives those gifts as He wills. Right. Right. Not as you will. And, um, and the illustration of the body of Christ makes that perfectly clear as to why that is. We can't all do the same thing, yeah. right? We can't all be the eyes. We can't all be the feet. We can't all et cetera, yeah. et cetera. And so not always needed in that particular body, in that particular area. Um, it's all for the building of God's kingdom, right? So mm -hmm. God tends to give to his church the gifts that are needed for the building up of the body, yeah. right? There yeah. are some that we know he'll give, you know, elders, teachers, pastors, things of that nature, you know, gifts of service, all those things that are normative for a body, but um, gifts of tongues aren't necessary in most situations. Not in most um, areas in America, for sure. Right. <clears throat> um, and there's a lot of debate on even how much the Lord even needs to to have that in, in our time period of redemptive history. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, I'll digress, I won't digress on that. Right. The the point is this, is that the the Spirit of Christ mm -hmm. is the one who effectively endows these supernatural gifts to the body of Christ because the body of Christ is meant to execute the will of Christ. Mm -hmm. Christ will build his church. Mm -hmm. He is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail mm -hmm. against it. And so he's going to equip his body with what is necessary. Mm -hmm. And one more note, just based on something that you said, Chad, is that yes, in every church, it's necessary for there to be pastors and teachers. Mm -hmm. You can't, you're not a church if you guys aren't learning the word of God. Right. Right. Um, you're just a Christian social club at best, like you said mm -hmm. last uh, podcast. Chad. <laughs> um, so those are going to be found in every single church, if in fact it is a church, because you have mm -hmm. to. It's like, that's the food to the yeah. spiritual body. You yeah. need to be fed the word. Can't right? have a restaurant without a chef. Can't right. have a church without a, a preacher. And that's right. That's right. So we move on now to chapter 13, which in my Bible is titled The Way of Love. And Paul says in, in, the, in the very last verse of chapter 12, but earnestly desire the higher gifts and I will show you a still more excellent way. Mm -hmm. So those higher gifts being those teaching gifts that we yeah. just mentioned, but there's something even more mm -hmm. excellent than even those gifts, which are absolutely necessary. Mm -hmm. And he goes on to say this, and Chad, I'll just read through the whole thing. Yeah, go ahead. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, 
hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. But we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Well, mm. as I was reading that, Chad, mm. I fail at every single one of those oh, <laughs> daily. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what a high and lofty, I would say even divine yeah. portion of Scripture, as all Scripture is divine. Absolutely. Well, here, when we're seeing this list of the characteristics of love, it is rightly to be understood as a Christian characteristic, but it's a Christian characteristic because these are the characteristics of Christ himself. Amen. This is a, um, um, a descriptive layout of the love that we receive from God himself. It's part of his character. It's part of his essence, as we talked about further. So Paul's right in saying that if you don't have these things, in essence what he's saying is you don't have Christ. Mm. It's evidence that Christ does not live within you. These are the things that that must be grown within us if we are a part of Christ, mm. a part of his body with the Holy Spirit within us. Yeah. Um, you could probably rightly, even though Galatians 5 gives us the fruit of the Spirit, but one of the fruits is, well, the first fruit is what? Love. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, yeah. goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, right? So... This is a descriptor of that fruit of the Spirit, mm. love. Yeah. I'm reminded of the Ephesian church in Revelation chapter 2 who had a lot of these things, you know, mm -hmm. um, but they lost their first love, yeah. right? And Christ said, if you don't get that back, if you don't repent, you're going to lose your church, you mm -hmm. know? So I'm just reminded of that, and I'll say it for what it's worth. So let's go back to verse 1 now and yeah. walk it down. So first things first, got to understand that Paul is a master uh, scholar. Yeah. He is using rhetoric. He is using literary devices here, which his Greek audience would have instantly recognized and also appreciated. Mm -hmm. So in verses one through three, he's using what's called an anaphoric device here. And basically all that that means is that he's emphasizing something. Mm -hmm. His anaphoric sentence is this. It, it would be in this structure. Quote, if I dot, 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 but do not have love. Yeah. I am nothing, mm -hmm. end quote, right? So you fill in the blank, and that's exactly what he does. He says, if I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And Chad, I looked up noisy gong and clanging cymbal in the mm -hmm. original language. It's interesting why he chose those things. Mm -hmm. It's not random. Mm -hmm. Okay, noisy gong effectively just means indiscriminate noise. It's just yeah. meaningless, right? I mean, how, how much air is... <laughs> wasted mm -hmm. on people just pontificating, right? Right, right. <laughs> about nothingness, yeah. right? I mean, think about like all of philosophy. Yeah, there's whole classes and courses in colleges where you basically come to the conclusion that we don't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> and here's your degree. <laughs> exactly. So so that's what Noisy Gong really is stressing. Um, that's why Paul chose that. That's why the Spirit of God led him to use that phrase. But then clanging symbol literally means to raise a war cry. And I looked up in Thayer's Greek lexicon, 
Uh, a couple of different meanings there. The proper meaning is to repeat frequently the cry as soldiers do when entering battle. And then the universal application of that word can, can mean a couple of things. Number one, uttering a joyful shout or on the opposite end to mm. wail and lament, right? So that denotes emotion, mm-hmm. right? So you can even have meaningless, noisy, emotional stuff going on. Yeah. And it means nothing, Yeah, right? And I thought, man, how applicable to a lot of churches today. Mm-hmm. We're really, really stoked and excited about something, right? But we're missing the point, right? And we're not even really sure what that something is, right? We, but we, we know we're excited about it. We call it God, but Scripture wouldn't always back up what we're talking about. So, what is it really? Right. So, what are we doing, right? Yeah. Well, Paul would say, like, like you had mentioned, right? Love is a first fruit of the mm-hmm. first attitude of the fruit of the spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, man, like. It's just a bunch of meaninglessness. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. It's it's for nothing. And I like, you know, Paul on purpose here, because he's in this context with, you know, philosophy and mm-hmm. people that are um, enamored by knowledge. Yeah. Right? And part of that class system came with that too, you know. <clears throat> totally. You're, you're what you know you have a lot of wisdom and knowledge and you know you're invited to the circles to talk and all that stuff i think it's important to note here that this is not a portion of scripture that you should isolate to to grow a theology off of yeah right uh some people do that and so i feel like it's important to point that out mm-hmm. what paul's doing here is exaggeratory on purpose meaning even if i speak in tongues of men not everybody will. We've already covered that. But even if you do, or even if tongues of angels, which was not normative, but he's just taking it to its ends. It's max. It's max. Like Let's say you have all that. Total mastery of all languages. Exactly. You're still just a, a worthless noise. Yeah, it's meaningless noise. <laughs> right. If it's That's the love. point of what Paul is saying here. It's not saying that some people can have a gift of speaking in tongues of angels. That's not what he's saying. Yeah, that's not his point. <laughs> it's not his point. Not his point. So I think it's important to understand this section of what Mike's pointing out. Rightly, like Paul is using this as a rhetoric, as a exaggeratory tone of yeah. let's take it to its nth degree in these three different levels. The first being speaking in tongues of men or angels. Let's take it to its end and then say, but if love does not undergird that, if it's not from the fruit of the Spirit, if it's not driven by God himself, it is worthless. Right. And that's extremely applicable to the Corinthians, right, who mm-hmm. desired these gifts. Remember, if we go all the way back to chapter 1, they were deriving status from who they were following. Mm-hmm. That thread of pride was, has been through the entire letter, right? So, so they were getting their eyes off of what is really valuable, mm-hmm. which is reflecting the image of God through Christ, right? right. The, the love component, right? Uh, they're forgetting that, mm-hmm. and they're really starting to like drift off towards the pursuit of these things that are, if they're without love, they're meaningless, right? right? And that's Paul's point. Mm-hmm. And one more note just on the uh, clanging symbol and how it has to do with emotional stuff. Mm-hmm. Just because we're getting really emotional in church, that doesn't mean that we're doing anything of value. Yeah. You know, and I just, I have to stress that I come out of that, yeah. you know? And I, I'm an emotional guy, Chad, you know, yeah, me, yeah. right? Like you would not say that I'm just like a you know, steadfast, <laughs> monotone kind of person. But yeah. that doesn't mean that if we're doing that within a church context, right. like that we're actually accomplishing something. Yeah, it doesn't mean it's true worship. Right. Emotions do not mean worship. And um, I was listening to Vody Bauckham um, so good. not too long ago, but he was talking about this idea of worship within our churches. And to, to elicit emotion, like that's the goal. A lot of the a lot of the 
new worship songs are written with that in mind. Yeah, they he have, goes, man, they must be worshiping. Like, man, they, those people can really worship. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean anything. It really, it's the same thing Paul's saying here. It does not mean that you're worshiping. Worship in spirit and truth. So yeah. you, you could be really reflective in that time and somber and thinking about God's word, and that's worship. Yeah. Right? And, and not be emotive any, at all. Right. Now, you can't, like, let's also say this, Chad. Let's balance this thing out. Yeah. Right? Because we're humans, man, and we always mm-hmm. tend to go too far in one direction or the other. Sure. True worship will produce deep emotional responses. Absolutely. And usually it ends up in just tears yeah. of joy. Yeah. You know, realizing just the weightiness right. of our sin and right. just being crushed by that, but then having hope restored in our yeah. hearts by the, the sacrifice mm-hmm. of Christ. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude, I cry like a baby most of the time, yeah, dude, yeah, yeah. at our church. I'm just sobbing. I was at MacArthur's church when I used to live in LA, singing out of a hymnal, mm. weeping, yeah. and so happy. Yeah. <laughs> We're singing to an organ and a hymnal. Right. And I loved it. Absolutely. And so that's that's kind of the point, right, is when true worship is happening in your heart, it may come out in many different ways. Yeah. You, you may be somber and it, you may be quiet. You may have your hands raised and crying in tears. Yeah. But to... But to uh, elicit emotion and only define emotionalism as, as good worship as good worship would be a far off. It'd be idolizing it. Yeah, that's what it would do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that and see that's the distinction, listener. Mm-hmm. That's the distinction because it's Satan's really crafty. Yeah, and he he just got to get you going half a degree off of the right path. Yeah, he lives in half truths. That's it. That's yeah. it. Right. So we have to balance what we say in, in this just so it's clear, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So that's what Paul's getting at in just the first verse. And in verse 2, he moves on to another anaphoric construction. He says, mm-hmm. and if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, I'll stop right there because that's the second example of mm-hmm. the greatness of love. And basically what he's saying, I looked up the Greek and all that, he's basically saying this, if you can understand the full canon and knowledge of God, if you can fully comprehend all of what God is in his revelation, Mm -hmm. and you have not love, you gain nothing and you are no one. Right. That's what he says in I am nothing. You know a great example of this? Satan himself. Mm. Satan was one of the angels. Satan knows more about God than we will ever know. Mm -hmm. But... He, he doesn't have love. That's right. You know, and so I think that's a good balance there. Like knowledge itself does not produce faith, does not produce love, does not produce having a relationship with God. Yeah. Earlier in chapter four, Paul says in the sixth verse that uh, knowledge puffs you up. I mean, mm-hmm. he says that knowledge is going to puff you up against one another. Yeah. Right. And that's exactly what it does. Absolutely. I mean, how many times have we met people? How many times mm. have we may have been that person yeah. where we thought we were superior because we knew X, Y, Z mm-hmm. thing, right? Now, to balance that, is it good to read the Word of God and understand it and and pursue knowing God more? Mm. Of course it is. Yeah. But it has to be undergirded with love, That's humility, right. desiring to know God so that you can know Him more, not so that you can be more knowledgeable. That's right. Right. So the second half of that second verse, then he goes on to say, and if I have all faith, right? I mean, faith. Oh, mm-hmm. you have little faith is what Christ mm-hmm. says so often, right? If I even have the maximum amount of faith, so as to remove mountains, 
Right. Like I could just do and what that, Christ said, you know. That's kind of a callback to what Christ right. said. To the and when disciples. I was a kid, I thought, you know, I really thought literally you could do that. <laughs> right. And so, you know, Paul's saying, if you could in fact do that, but you still don't have love, I am nothing, mm. right? I am nothing it means you are nobody, Corinthians. Mm-hmm. Remember, they want to be a somebody, right? right? No, 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 no. You're nobody. If, if you have all that without love, you are a nobody mm-hmm. in God's eyes. That not only is a somber thought. Mm-hmm. But it's pride crushing. Mm-hmm. It's pride crushing. God is no respecter of persons, right? Mm-hmm. What does he love in his people? That they walk by the truth, that they love the truth, that they worship the son, and they, they love others mm-hmm. for Christ's sake, right? That's what, that's what God loves. That's, mm-hmm. a ple- that's pleasing in God's sight. That's right. And so that's what we should, we should pursue. In verses uh, three here, he says, if I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Mm-hmm. I gain nothing. I mean, think about it. We can go through church history, right? Mm-hmm. The Catholic Church back in the day, selling indulgences. Right? Yeah. Uh, you can purchase your salvation. Yeah. They made a commodity out of it, right? Give all your money away. Think about your Protestant TV evangelist nowadays, right? Mm-hmm. Your evangelical TV evangelist. Sow a seed, brother. Come on, yeah. so see, yeah. give it, give it up, give have it up, faith, and faith. then the person who gets seduced by that would go, "I gave so much, I gave this, I gave that," and you'll have you'll walk away with some feeling of righteousness, mm-hmm. right? Well, in God's sight, that's filthy rags. Mm-hmm. Self righteousness is filthy rags, whether it's on the left hand of the spectrum or on the right hand of the spectrum. That's right. It doesn't matter. Right. Even if you gave up your body to be burned, which is interesting because. Mm-hmm. Uh, this hadn't actually occurred with Christians yet. No one had been burned yet. Yeah. This was coming down. This was real close. Yeah. But when he wrote this letter, it hadn't actually happened yet. Mm-hmm. But the point is, is even if you suffered a horrendous death, mm-hmm. right? But you had no love, man, you wasted your death, mm-hmm. right? What a somber thought. Yeah. What a somber thought. Then he gets into verses four through seven. He says, love is patient and kind. Let's just stop there and meditate yeah. on that. <laughs> Patience. That's, man... That is, <laughs> that is, yes, that man. Is, that is hard. Oh, my god. All of us struggle with that. No matter how much you are a mature believer in Christ, yeah. there are so many trials and tribulations that we face every day, big and little, mm-hmm. that challenge this thought of right. patience. And what is the antithesis of patience is I need everything right here, right now. And the undergird of all these is pride, mm-hmm. right? Patience comes through humility. It comes through caring about the other person more than you care about yourself. Mm. It's about being waiting upon the Lord and trusting in his sovereignty. It's all a fruit of humility, Mm -hmm. right? Knowing that you're not your own, that you're God's. Lack of patience is I know what I need. I need it now. Someone's in my way. I'm being wronged. It's it's not okay. And sometimes... It's in the face of others' sin. And that's where that's the, that half truth is always rubbing up against us. Of yeah. okay, maybe this person is being sinful in what they're doing towards us. How do we respond in patience? Well, Romans twelve seventeen through twenty one reminds us that even for our enemies, we're to be loving, we're yes. to give, we're to to be sacrificial even for them for the purpose of love, for the mm-hmm. purpose of the gospel. And man, that's hard to do. Yeah. Oh, it's impossible without Christ. Right. It's and, impossible. And it feels impossible in Christ. Right. It really does. <laughs> you know? And I think that is just evidence of 
the real war that goes on within mm-hmm. a believer between Absolutely. the flesh and the spirit, you know, they're opposed to one another, mm-hmm. right? There's a real war <laughs> happening. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I say this often, and I don't know if I've said it on here. If if I have, it, it can be said again. Be patient. <laughs> but the right view of the Christian life is one of war. Yeah. Like that should be your view of your life. Waking up every day, entering into a war. We're fighting a war on three fronts. Our own personal sin, our own flesh, the sin of the world around us, and Satan and his demons, spiritual mm-hmm. warfare. We are facing that every single day as, as sheep's being led to slaughter. That's right. We need our king. We need our protect the protector. That's we right. need the king. Yeah. And so that's why Ephesians six is a great place to go study. Put on that full armor of God, mm-hmm. and that's all belief and faith uh, rooted things, mm-hmm. right? I mean, two of the major themes of Scripture, Chad. Mm-hmm. You already said one of them war mm-hmm. and worship mm-hmm. if you read the book of revelation without that in your mind you're going to get really lost yeah i mean the book of ephesians like you just mentioned the first five chapters are all about worship mm-hmm. and then what does that proceed war, war. Right? that's right you'll look at uh jehoshaphat yeah. in the old testament king's book mm-hmm. right you'll look at there's so many examples right uh worship must precede war mm-hmm. if we are to be successful mm-hmm. right because god's going to fight our war for us yeah and if we want to go try it on our own, yeah. we have Israel to look at. Every time they did it, they lost, right? right? Yeah, Joshua is a great character study right. of what what did God continually come to Joshua and tell him, fear not for I am with you. Like, remember what I, my commands. Remember I've gone before you. Mm-hmm. It was that worship that led them into battle to, to do the task that the Lord had given. That's so good. That's so good and so true. Moving on then, let's move on to the second part here. It says, love does not envy or boast. So it's patient and kind. That's the positive affirmation, mm-hmm. right? Love is patient. Uh, it's kind. It's gracious is another way you could say that word kind mm-hmm. in the Greek. Negatively, love does not envy or boast. Mm-hmm. Now, envy is a significant word in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Why did Cain kill Abel? Because he was envious, right? right? I mean, envy is a dangerous uh, thing to harbor in one's heart, mm-hmm. right? And then boasting is equally dangerous because the root of boastfulness right. is pride, which God hates. So we're dealing with murder and we're dealing with uh, God hating you, right? These are horrible things that um, in the absence of love will be characteristic of a person. Moving on, it says it is not arrogant or rude. Again, arrogance. What is the root of arrogance? Yeah. Pride. What is the root of being rude? pride Mm -hmm. these are all things that god hates Mm -hmm. i mean literally hates yeah and so we have to remember that in the absence of love these things will be true of us even like you said chad we do have the spirit of god in us and we we do have the love of christ in our hearts Mm -hmm. and we still find ourselves at war with with our fleshly nature which god hates Mm -hmm. (laughs) i'll just be straight up love does not insist on its own way it is not irritable or resentful. Man, how many times do you deal with resentfulness in the in the counseling room, Chad? Oh, all the time. It's hard to count. Yeah. What are some of the dangers of harboring resentment? Well, bitterness, pride's underneath it, um, broken relationships, um, tearing apart of homes, mm. uh, tearing apart of friendships, relationships, Leading someone into isolation. I mean, there's 
so many things depression anxiety i mean there's sounds like it's a slow death oh yeah that's what it is 100 percent. yeah i mean because all of the things you just mentioned are characteristic of sin mm-hmm. it's divisive yeah. right it isolates it holds oneself up in one's own head as being better than mm-hmm. oh man that's that's hard to uh to think about but love doesn't do those things mm-hmm. right even if you've been wronged against, yeah. right? Love's not going to harbor that resentment. Yeah. Even if you have all the excuses in the world, love is not going to hold on to those excuses because it's patient and it's kind mm-hmm. and it's gracious. It gives grace, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when it doesn't have to. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Verse six, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. And this is one that I find myself um, having almost like a, a daily reminder of. I don't know why this is, Chad, but I'll just be totally honest with with, with our listeners here. For for sometimes when I hear someone like cuss, right? Mm. Like they just like they use it as like an uh, a way to like uh, <laughs> I don't know, use it like in an adverb or something. Yeah, adverb. I don't know why. By I just laugh for some reason, mm. and I hate that. I don't know why I do that. It's just evidence that I am a sinner and I need grace, right? Mm. And I'm always reminded of this scripture. It's like it doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing why am i laughing at that right Mm. i'm not laughing to spite somebody it's like for some reason that makes me uh show the sign of of joy which is laughter and that shouldn't be so right right i I repent of that regularly Mm -hmm. and that shouldn't be so but love doesn't ever do that i'm I'm reminded of my own desire my own need for christ yeah it doesn't rejoice with wrongdoing but only rejoices with the truth Mm -hmm. and this last one Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. It's interesting because bears and endures are similar Greek words. But Chad, you you answered Mm. the question that I had. Why do you think Paul did that? If we understand this in the context of this being the character of Christ, we see, and you can explain what the original meaning of these words are, but the bears all things was more of a covering uh, protect, a shielding, a shielding, and the endurance. The original word means to hold up. Yes, and that's that's a characteristic of the grace of God and God's love for us through yeah. the gospel, through well Christ. Said. Fully covering, fully shielded, and fully held up mm-hmm. by the love of Christ found through the gospel. Mm-hmm. So praise the, the the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Chad, you got any things to say before we wrap this one up? I think it's a good place to end. To all of this should point us back to reflecting upon the gospel and the grace of Christ. Um, we have nothing without Christ. We have nothing without his grace. We have nothing without the gospel. Any righteousness that we have is imputed upon us because of his righteousness, not mm-hmm. our own. And that should breed within us humility and patience and all these things. Amen. Well, we thank you all for listening to another episode of the Nehemiah Project podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Nehemiah Project podcast. For more resources about addiction recovery, suicide prevention, and overcoming other life-controlling issues, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram and visit our website, tnproject.org. If you or someone you love is struggling, don't hesitate to reach out to us by calling 985-205-3022.